Yeah, I had a root canal yesterday, and it's just like wait, just 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 for clarification, are you calling that surgery? It's surgery. Oh no! Oh, well, oh, I don't know. No, it's getting deep in here, folks. <sighs> so no, it's not. It's 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 not general anesthesia. It's not any of that stuff. But you know, you're you're there with this. <laughs> I know, and it's the drill oh, is going, and it's just That was pretty like, good, wasn't it? He goes, do you feel any pain? I'm like, no, but I, you know, I'm just terrified I will, right? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better, and by the power of his spirit, do better, so together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. Uh, we are happy to have you here for week seven we are getting so close to the end. Week seven of eight weeks mm. on Acts of the Church. Drew, uh, once again, took us to places we did not expect to go. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> but uh, why don't you, for those who weren't there, uh, why don't you recap your sermon in 60? Yeah, we got to see the baptism story of Saul, who, which we know as Paul. And yeah, an amazing story of a guy who tried to eradicate Christianity, but is interrupted by Jesus and it changes his life and to see the process of how God uses people inside the salvation process, Ananias. Um, and then we see this change and, you know, in next week, big surprise, we have the one, the only Brad files no. getting ready to bring an end to this series. And so we'll get to see the front side of Saul's salvation and then the mm. sanctification and how God used him. Yeah, it's interesting because we were talking about it during pre-preach, but throughout the sermon, you referred to him as Saul, yep. um, and you get to preach on Saul, I get to preach on Paul. Um, quick side note here, because I know a lot of people, they kind of make a big deal about the name change, yeah. but I guess the stuff we seem to be reading now is it's pretty much just Saul was his Hebrew name. Yep. And uh, Paul was his Greek name, yep. you know, among the Greek people. I mean, we do have stories in the Old Testament where like Abraham, you know, Abram gets renamed Abraham yeah. or Sarah, Sarai, Sarah, and those, you know, so where the Bible calls out specific changes. Here it, but it does seem to kind of flow because you see him yeah. called Saul, you know, early on. And then as he hits the world, and we'll get to see that next week, you know, he's known in the Greek speaking world, you know, as Paul. At some level, <clears throat> maybe he desire to name change, right? Like yeah. the name Saul didn't carry a lot of like good feelings for right, people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, we'll talk about those not so good feelings that he inspired. You called Saul a terrorist, which I thought, you know, once I, I hadn't heard him called a terrorist before, but once you named him that, I said, yeah, absolutely. So I guess that kind of raises the question of, you know, we focus on the fact that Saul was extremely religious, you know, and really top of his class, you know. I mean, he had all the credentials, the religious credentials. Is religion dangerous? Is it bad to be religious? Yeah, I would say it is. Um, <clears throat> religious in its definition of if you be you believe something that's false and you, you sell yourself out for it and it's wrong, mm -hmm. um, it can be very, very dangerous. I think we see this all over our world, right? Mm -hmm. People believing something and mm -hmm. being so sold out for it and doing things that you shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. um, it can be very, very dangerous. Again, that's why I think, I think I even said this in my message, like 
Jesus, God, is not after religious people. Mm-hmm. He's after people who walk in a relationship with him. And I think that separates Christianity from every other relationship is it's not about religion. It's not about what you do. It's the relationship that you have. Yeah, I love that contrast. I think it's so helpful, religion versus relationship. And I've often heard religion is described as reaching up mm. towards God, but relationship is what God does, you know, reaching yeah. down to us. And you had the whole imagery of pursuing God. Christ yep. was pursuing Paul and others, you know, through Ananias, through Paul, uh, a lot going on there. Do you think Northridge is religious or do we have a danger of becoming religious? Is that something we need to be on the watch for? For sure. I think we should always be guarded against uh, religion because um, just traditions, right? Doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and don't hear me about like religion doesn't always lead to like murderous threats and it doesn't always lead to devastation things. Mm-hmm. It can also, it can just lead to something that's just as dangerous apathy, mm-hmm. right? like numbness, right? You can do all the right things and your heart become hard towards God and the things of God and what God's trying to communicate to you. Um, and so I think we just have to be, be careful as Northridge, like n- our religion is not going to take us where we're chasing down people being like, no, you need to do it the way we do, or we'll, we'll throw you in prison. Mm-hmm. No, but our, our religion in our culture today, I think often creates a, a, thought process that I don't need God. Mm-hmm. Like the things I do are good enough, right? The check the box, like God accepts me for the things I do, mm-hmm. not for the work of Jesus. Yeah. I think what's interesting is, you know, you mentioned, and it's true, there's people who are sold out for false religious ideas yeah. or, or whatever, and then bad things happen. Paul, he was 100% sold out prior to Christ. Yes. You know, to wrong idea and opposing the truth and everything else. After, he's still 100% sold out after his conversion. <laughs> and yet, prior to his conversion, he's the persecutor. He's the one, he's the violent man, yep. you know, aggressively oppressing others. Afterwards, he's not the violent man. No. He's not the aggressive. He's the one receiving the violence, yep. right? He's the one being, you know, oppressed and chased. And so I, I guess I'm just trying to think, how does that happen? You know, that someone is so, you know, choking people, grabbing people by the neck, you know, to get their point through to becoming someone who's full of love yeah. and willing to receive. I mean, it's only Jesus, right? Because mm-hmm. you think about Jesus, right? He, he Paul became like Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Jesus wasn't the aggressor. He was the one being aggressed towards, right? He's the mm-hmm. one who was hung on a cross, beaten. Mm-hmm. And so later in Paul's life, he looks like Jesus. He's not the aggressor. He's the mm-hmm. one taking on the aggression. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, you, when you think about um, like Paul, one of the things I, I think, one of the reasons I even asked the question, like why would, why, of all the people, why would, why would God choose Saul? Okay, I think it's because the zeal he had. Mm-hmm. Jesus knew it just needed to, the zeal, that passion needed to be pointed in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So like, if you look at Saul's life and then Paul's life, they're eerily similar, right? 
before he, when he was a persecutor, he was passionate about persecuting people. Mm-hmm. But he, he believed it and he went after it. And I think God saw that in him and was like, I can use this guy. Mm-hmm. I just need him to see the truth. Yeah. And you, you do see hints of anger from Jesus, but it's never towards the oppressed no. or the sinners. It's towards those who are messing up the message, right? It's <laughs> yes. those who are... Um, yeah, and, and Paul, you, there's some of the same thing in him. You see him get a little angry. He's talking to the Galatians, you know, who, you know, was talking to those Judaizers who yes. insist on circumcision. He says, I just wish they'd go the whole way <laughs> with that circumcision. He gets, but, you know, we don't have any evidence that he was out there violent, but he gets angry, right? He gets angry about what? About getting in the way of God's love, getting yes. in the way of this gospel and this message. Um, so, <clears throat> You spent a lot of time on Saul being too far gone, yep, and others who think you know they are too far gone. And I know you started it. I know you preached it. I know this is exactly what you tried to do in your sermon. But I would like you just to continue to answer the question: What would you say to someone who feels they are too far gone? Hmm. I think. I think when you feel that way you don't fully understand how God loves you. Um, it's like a father and son, father-daughter connection, right? Like I have kids and the reality of my love for my kids is it doesn't matter what they do, right? They can do anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I might not approve of their actions, but I will always love them, mm-hmm. always. Like they, you just can't rip that out of my heart. Um, and in, in that same way, but much stronger, much more perfect, Mm -hmm. God feels that way about you. And there is nothing like there's absolutely nothing that you can do to get away from God's love. Right. Mm -hmm. There's so many stories in the Bible that point to that. The prodigal son, right. Mm -hmm. What does the prodigal son do? He squanders he, mm-hmm. he lives in rebellion to his dad. Brings shame to his name. He does. He does everything wrong. Everything wrong. Every bad choice he can make, he made it. And the moment he turns home, his father is waiting. Oh, yeah. Open arms. Yeah. And that's the picture that Christ has for us. He is waiting with open arms. Mm-hmm. He just wants, he wants you. Yeah. Can I expand this question just a little bit yeah. with... Um, you are the host, Brad. You know that, right? <laughs> I get to do this. That's the power that I have. <laughs> so I often say things like, what would you say to... And I just said that. So what would you say to someone who thinks they're too far gone? But I'm going to say, what would you say to me? Because it got personal for me, you know, in mm. the sermon. When is it? What, what do you say to me and others who love people, and I'm sure it's true in your own life. There are people yeah. you love who are far from God. And from an earthly perspective, it's easy to just conclude they'll never, there's no mm. way they'll ever turn around. So what do you say for to me yeah. who loves people and my heart is inclined to say they're never going to get over the skepticism, they're never going, they're never going to embrace this gospel? I would say to you, number one, the enemy wants you to give up. Mm. The enemy wants you to stop praying. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do everything he can to convince you to do that. Yeah. Don't buy the lie. Yeah. I would, I would tell you, read Saul's story mm-hmm. and continue to read it. Yeah. Read the story of the thief on the cross mm-hmm. 
and let those stories remind you mm-hmm. that God's way bigger than your doubt. He's way bigger than their skepticism. And believe that mm-hmm. one day mm-hmm. God will honor your prayer. Yeah, yeah. And trust him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know what God's going to do. Right. But I know God loves the desperate prayers mm-hmm. of his children. Yeah. And so keep praying. There yeah. is so much power in prayer. And I'll, I would, I'll pray with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I've always appreciated that encouragement. And my wife's, you know, she has more faith, you know, than I. But that, I think that is exactly it. I mean, <clears throat> the, the, the despair, the discouragement comes with, with no prayer, yeah. right? I mean, it, we do want to see the stories, but it's prayer. So I just know... Yeah, prayer feels useless when we get in this yeah. place of despair. Yep. And it is a supreme act of faith to even pray. Otherwise, mm. as far as the world's concerned, prayer is a waste of yeah, time, yeah. Yep. right? But it is what we do because we are entirely uh, dependent on God. So yeah. thanks, thanks. Even a side note on that, we're going to, I mean, we, we've been writing on mm-hmm. prayer for a series coming up. We're going to do a, ser- a series, I think it's six weeks on yeah. prayer. And yeah. one of the topics we talk about is mm-hmm. like the problems we have with prayer. Right. And how we do feel like our prayers are ineffective. Mm-hmm. We we just can't we can't buy that lie. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, big big shift here, but it was right in your in your message. Uh, we also spent some time with the blindness, which I thought was pretty interesting, and thought about it in some different ways. So Paul on the Damascus Road is struck blind. Mm. Um, and then you really highlighted the role of Ananias yep. uh, in Saul's life because Saul's blind. Um, he goes. Ananias is called, you know, by God to go to Saul. He has very reasonable skepticism <laughs> about getting the name right, the place right. Um, but uh, do you think? I, I was kind of wondering this. I don't know if it's on topic, but it was interesting because I had never thought about the fact that Saul really wasn't converted on the Damascus Road. He's yeah. still blind. That really comes later. Do you think um, there are people who are blind today that we mistake as Christians? Do you think we jump the gun on it a bit sometimes and say, you know, we're willing to call them Christians before they are? That's hard, right? Because <clears throat> salvation is a heart condition, mm-hmm. right? And you can't see someone's heart. Mm-hmm. And yet we're still, we still have to make judgment calls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we do baptism interviews, yeah. you know, we want to make sure someone's getting baptized for the right reasons. Yeah. <clears throat> and so Such attention. it yeah. is attention. And yes, I think we do call people Christians who mm-hmm. aren't Christians. Uh-huh. Right. And I think sometimes we pe- call people who aren't Christians who might actually be Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's the purpose though. Right. Like that's a God that's a God decision. That's right. that God's job Good. is to judge the heart, not mine. My job is to just continue to preach the gospel. Cause the great news is whether I think they're a Christian or not, it doesn't matter because they mm-hmm. still need the gospel. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. They might not need the gospel for salvation, mm-hmm. but they certainly need the gospel for sanctification right. and to look more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I just, I, I love this picture of blindness mm-hmm. because I do think it is, a huge problem in America. Mm. Um, I I came from the South. And in my opinion, there's a lot of spiritual blindness there mm. that, again, we go back to this religion thing. Like I, I'm blind to my own condition because I'm looking at something else 
that I want, I want to solve the problem of my sin that can't, Mm -hmm. but I'm blind. I'm so blind that I think it is solving it Mm -hmm. through religion, good deeds. Um, and I think the American church needs to be very careful that we don't become blind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's that, oh boy, that blindness is so, I wanted to say pervasive. I mean, um, sneaky. Mm. Um, it's just, I know that, you know, if we have a class at Northridge exploring faith, which is this awesome environment for people who either there's, you know, skeptical about the faith or new to the faith, or they were away from the church a long time and they're, they're coming back. And I would always be amazed because I would, I'd think of the gospel as so simple and easy to understand, but it would be interesting to me see people who just hear it over and over, but don't get it. I actually think, you know, we would say, you know, the people who are hardest to reach are the skeptics mm-hmm. or the, uh, the people far, far from God. Yeah. I would disagree with that mm. because I think eventually those people will hit a point in their life where they need something bigger than themselves and mm. they turn to God. To me, the hardest person to reach is the someone, someone who believes they have God Absolutely. and doesn't. Because you almost have to reprogram them. Like, okay, Saul is a great example of that. Think mm-hmm. about how blind he is. He is trying to eradicate Christianity in the name of God. So what he believes about his life is he is doing something that is pleasing to God. And it's the very thing farthest from that. Yeah, And... That's how blind he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of us, we live that way where I think I'm living a life pleasing to God and it's not. Right. Yeah. And it's so common to believe we're living on the points system. Yeah. Right. I'm sure it was Scale, a point baby. system yeah. for Saul yeah. prior to his conversion. God was lucky to have him yes. you know, for what, what was getting done, but it's all about what he's done mm. for us. So um, I know this was one of your applications, you know, at the end was just urging, well, making the point that God uses his children to reach blind people mm. and then their blindness, bring them to the gospel. And why do you think it is we don't share our faith? <laughs> well, I think because we're really good at sinning and we're really, mm-hmm. we, you know, we're busy. There's so many reasons. Mm-hmm. I think at the core of it, we don't realize how amazing of a gift God has given us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's time. I think when we really see the gospel for what it is, it compels us to share. Mm -hmm. But I think in the busyness of life, raising kids, going to work, Mm -hmm. you know, hobbies, we we forget Mm -hmm. how amazing the gospel is. Like, I, I genuinely think at the core, if we truly understood, and here's why, if... If we found the cure to cancer, mm-hmm. there is no way we wouldn't tell people about it. Right. We'd be a monster. Because there didn't. is so <laughs> many people suffering and yes. dying, yes. families being destroyed because they lose someone mm-hmm. young, right. kids who don't have dads because of cancer, right? Mm-hmm. We would share it because it's great news. Right. Mm-hmm. The gospel is way better than that. Mm-hmm. And until we see that mm-hmm. and grasp it and understand it in our heart and be reminded of it, We'll just go on our day. Yeah. And I, listen, I am so guilty of that. I, I, I am not preaching at anybody. I am speaking to my own 
wretched heart. Yeah, I, I Drew, you and I both agree on this. I'm sure every speaker who steps on our stage agrees on this. We are preaching to ourselves yeah. every time we get up there. And I'm preparing for my sermon next week, and I am preaching to myself. Yeah. Will I have a life of significance measured by the eternal gospel in Christ? And I think there's another layer to it too, Brad. I think people who do see like the, the gravity of the gospel and how beautiful it is, I think there's just a layer of like fear too. Right, of like mm-hmm. rejection, fear of sure. pushing someone farther mm. away. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, if what if I share my faith and, and I tell them they, they need this and they're like, I don't, I don't want to be your friend. Now I lose my, so like, it's not even that we don't want to always share. It's like, will we when's make it the worse? right time? Will yeah. I make it worse? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I even think about this, like I play basketball with guys on Tuesday and Friday. And th- honestly, the sole reason, there's two reasons why I do that. Good exercise, and I, I get I get to be around lost guys, mm-hmm. and I get to build relationships with them with with the purpose that I would have the opportunity to share the gospel, and I would be able to I would be able to live the gospel out for them. That they would notice a difference in me, and they would ask questions. Mm-hmm. But I even wrestle like, okay, when when these guys know me, they know I'm a pastor. Do I wait for them to ask to be curious, or do I do I do I invite them? Do I do I talk about Jesus? Like, yeah. There, there's all these tensions, but I think at the core, we have to get excited and realize what the gospel is and how good it is. Right. And then out of it, let the spirit, we, we talked about the spirit a lot, mm-hmm. guide us. Like, hey, when he whispers, now's your time. Yeah. Go, do. When he says, well, hold it, hold back. Like, be sensitive to the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. He won't let you down. Yeah, I think, I think what you said about just life you know, sort of becoming so routine and us mm-hmm. losing the big picture. I remember... I remember seeing Titanic in the theater many, many, many years ago. And Karen and I were sitting there watching that screen. And at the end, when the ship was sinking and all those people were dying, it just gripped my heart. I said, I need to go out and share the gospel. Yeah. I mean, it was just to see that we live, this world is a sinking ship and there is a rescue oh. available. And I think that is what consumed Paul was, you know, how he, he found the cure to cancer and he was going to share yeah. it with the world. He found the cure to something much worse, sin, and shared with the world. And how amazing is that God uses us? Yeah. <laughs> like, at some level, I'm like, God, I wish you would just take care of it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, just, just boom, everybody gets it. <laughs> but like, God uses us. Mm-hmm. How amazing is it that we get to be a part of sharing the greatest story in history, the most powerful story in history? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a burden that should sit on our shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, thanks again for that great uh, you know, journey and that uh, wonderful time in the life of, you called him Saul because he went by that quite a bit. I'm going to call him Paul next week. Yeah. When I bring it home, we'll have week eight of Acts of the Church where we get to see the legacy, the impact, what became of that guy, mm. uh, the Apostle Paul. Paul.